0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Now I know I did an episode yesterday and it was sad and ending the series and all of that sort of carry on, but I couldn't do it alone and I had Lark alongside me, but we needed someone, boots on the ground. You know him, you've heard him, he's your first listen every morning. It is Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans. Jake, how are you going? Thanks for joining us.
1: Of course, happy to be on here talking hoops with you, like It's been a fun season. I'm I'm in a good mood despite the loss, so I'm still ready to go and raring to talk about this Pelicans team.
0: I'll tell you what, I'm exactly the same. Uh, And when the series did end, uh, after the the historic night from Chris Paul, which was pretty awesome to witness in hindsight, not really at the time, but um, (laughs) it it was. All I felt was pride, and I think that was... A weird feeling because it's like i'm really disappointed but at the same time i just feel so proud of the guys and i think that's been a real testament to this change in narrative and culture as we keep hearing throughout uh throughout the channels How have you
1: felt about the the season overall i guess uh, overall great like I, I don't think there's much to complain about you know in in the grand scheme of things with a zoomed out perspective certainly we could nitpick things to death but you know you look at this team that got off to a 1-13 in 13 start, a 3-16 start. They were left for dead. You know, a lot of the media had pivoted to, like, who are they going to draft and things like that. You know, then they started to get a little bit better. They go out and they make that trade for CJ McCollum and Larry Nance Jr. too, and then they make a late-season push, get into the play-in tournament, win the play-in tournament, and then get into the postseason, and you push that to six games against the number one seed, not just in the West, but the NBA, a team that has Chris Paul, uh fringe MVP candidate in Devin Booker a very very good big man in DeAndre Eaton and a team that was just like world beat- beaters all, all year in the Suns I don't know you take that team just to, to six games that feels pretty good overall that feels like a success and you know more so that it felt like almost every game in this series was winnable for New Orleans and for whatever reason for a variety of reasons in each one they didn't get that far with it but it just shows that they're a young team that's improving that has you know, a ceiling right now, but they can get through that. And they just went up against a better team and the better team won. It's It was still one versus nine. I think we got to, you know, not lose sight of that. But the Pelicans in every single game, even without, even with that Devin Booker injury, they were never favored. And so it kind of tells you that they still pushed it so hard. I don't know. You kind of look at that out of this team that could have given up at multiple points throughout the year. Now I'm pretty happy overall.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think, yeah, you summarized it perfectly. I mean, Speaking of the the of the of playoff series, I mean, I think we were happy in the beginning. It was like, all right, we've won these two play-in games. And I think we were expecting definitely we've got to beat the Spurs. Don't know about the Clippers. We then have that miraculous comeback, the you've got to fight speech, which will be forever ingrained in all of us. And uh, I think we were all ready to pull on a Pelicans jersey that night uh, for Willie Green. And then to get into this playoff series and to then push this team. And steal a couple, stole one there, stole home court advantage at one point. Mm -hmm. To make it such an arm wrestle, I think was just fantastic. And I don't think we can understate how important this is going to be for the future. And that's something that excites me. I mean, how are you feeling about it after getting a playoff series under their belt? Another year of, uh, I suppose, chemistry. The future's bright, I feel.
1: Yeah, you know, you, if you talk to coaches around the league, GMs around the league, you know, they, they talk about how playoff games are like infinitely more valuable for experience and growth than regular season games are. I don't know if it's like four to one, something along those lines. So to get six games with this team kind of growing, really, you know, eight, if you look at the two playing tournament games too, which were essentially elimination games as well, you know, this team got a lot of experience over the past two weeks. And you've seen some of these guys kind of grow up. You've also seen them make some mistakes too but those are things that fill you and that you can learn from right right after that game Brandon Ingram went right to the locker room he didn't want to talk to any of the sons he didn't want to congratulate them you could tell this one hurt him he really wanted to win that he was probably disappointed in his own play and with the team and that's the type of stuff this is the type of loss that hopefully fuels you going forward and makes you want to be a better player give them a couple of weeks off and I'm sure these guys are going to be right back in the gym to try never feel this way again and I kind of love that right like I love that they have this experience. They know how hard this is. They know how much it hurts, and they're going to do everything they can to avoid that. So when you look at this team for the future, yeah, you know Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, and Trey Murphy with a big role in Game Six they don't feel like rookies anymore. They've moved beyond that. And I think getting that out of the way now is certainly only going to be a good thing because Brandon Ingram's still just 24. CJ McCollum is here long-term. Larry Nance Jr. is likely to sign an extension. So you're running the team back. You throw Zion Williamson into the mix. Like there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic and that's not even getting into potentially having a top four pick with everything.
0: I mean, that's just the icing on the cake, isn't it? The cherry on top, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um to, to then pull out a lottery pick when everyone else in the playoffs are sitting there going, well, oh, we've moved x number of picks for this guy. We've, you know, we're going to be getting a mid-round, mid-first round pick and we're sitting there going, well, the fun's just beginning for us again. We're, <laughs> we're waiting on lottery balls and then uh to then be able to draft another high lottery pick and I mean, the future. It's uh, we're adding Zion Williamson to a team that was pushing the number one seed already. I don't know about you, but I'm chomping at the bit to just see how Zion fits in this team. Obviously, a, a big narrative about
1: he's—he's going to get a lot of time to do that, right? Like he, he had his media availability, and he seemed kind of different than the way we'd seen him before he talked about how he went to Willie green, you know, uh, yesterday during that series and was like, whatever you need me to do this off season, I'm willing to do. He seems more committed than he ever has before. That's a really big deal. Like that's a really big deal. I think, you know, this is a guy that kind of, Ghosted his teammates a lot this offseason and his tune has started to change. Now, you know, if he's spending time working with them all offseason, working out training with them, that's only going to help you get a better jump on next season and hopefully avoid a one in 13 start again. So to kind of see that buy in from him and look let's wait to see if he actually does it. There's still a little bit of concern in my mind about that, but he's saying all the right things. And if he follows through on that, that gets you through a lot of the pain that you can often go through at the start of a regular season. So it just means they're going to be better to start next year.
0: I mean, Brandon Ingram in the, in the post game was talking about it straight away. He's like, Oh, I'm sure the guys will hit me up within a couple of weeks and we'll be back into it. Like you said, and uh, you know, it doesn't think it'd be much of a vacation because I suppose they'll be straight back in the gym wanting to get better. And, As a fan of this team, I mean, gosh, they say the right things. i tell you what, they're easy to cheer for. Uh, That's been a big shift. You've seen it, boots on the ground. I've seen you go to the, uh, the Pels 12 watch parties and the like. How have you found the growth of the actual fan base and support of the team this year?
1: No, it's been great, right? Like I've been covering this team for 10 plus years now. And this is probably the most excited and kind of united I've seen the fan base ever. You know, you you had Anthony Davis, you had Drew Holiday, and you had that sweep of the Portland Trailblazers, and that was fun. But it won that fell on its face like the next year pretty hard very quickly. But also those guys didn't have like the same kind of connection with the city, particularly Anthony Davis drew might have and was very well beloved. But AD always kind of kept people at arm's length to a certain degree. And that doesn't feel the case for this team whatsoever. And there, there were a number of points throughout the season, right? You had a couple, you know, sometimes it helps having like a common villain in JJ Reddick giving birth to the tw- uh, Pell's 12 nickname, right? You need that villain to everyone kind of fight against Same with Kendrick Perkins, too. So they played a big role in this inadvertently, I guess. And thank you to them for just being jerks or something like that. Uh, But you saw this fan base, you know, not just rally behind this team, but really stand up for itself in a way that they never had before. And I've been saying this a lot. You know, there's a point probably with the J.J. Redick thing where like, the fan base kind of collectively put their foot down and said like enough is enough. Like F you guys don't kind of rag on us like this anymore. And they started swinging back. And I think that really brought people together. You've heard it with, you know, just with the city of new Orleans in general, even after Katrina, which I'd gone through, right. Oh, don't rebuild. There's you don't need to have a city there going through hurricanes, things like that people are like, we live here, we matter, right? And the Pelicans fans kind of took that same approach of, we root for this team, this team is here, we matter and I kind of like that approach that they take, they took and it really brought a whole lot of people together to give a collective middle finger to kind of like establish national media. And you, it, it's easier to do that when you have really likable guys on the team, right? Brandon Ingram is just like a hard-working blue-collar dude that wants to go out and hoop. Then you have Herb Jones, a, a second-round pick who doesn't talk much and just goes out and shuts people down and doesn't with this like dirty smirk on his face you know then you have jose alvarado is the most annoying dude in the nba to probably play against right now especially for chris paul like those are type of guys that you can really rally behind with their play on the court and they back it up and so i think that's really just resonated with kind of the fan base too, being like "F f everyone else and this team was like everyone thought we were done for right everyone again the media was talking about draft picks things like that tanking no we're still playing basketball and we're going to go out and prove it so there's kind of like a meshing of those two sides of things and i think that's what really has brought a lot of this fan base kind of on board with this team and why there's like this passion that you're you know you're seeing kind of at a height to a degree that we'd never seen before
0: i mean that us versus them mentality i'm what like ten thousand miles away and i still felt it and i was you scrolling through national media and I mean, down here, obviously, our broadcasts are a little bit different in that we get national media and that's it. And you, you turn TV on, I can't even watch it because I'm sitting there going, you guys aren't watching the games, you're not giving us our flowers and all throughout the season. So I turn it off and I only listen to local people. But it, when you're trying to talk to people outside of the fan base and explain how special this team is and why we support the team with such passion, I think this playoff series has really solidified that reason. And I think it's given a new outlook to the national media and I suppose the casual fan that this team is actually fun as hell. They're really, really fun to watch and they play hard and they want to play together. And um, You you touched on the the rookies and how, I mean, they're just blue-collar guys, Herb, Jose, even Trey Murphy, you know, having to take his lumps this year and all of a sudden flourish at the right time. Uh, in that uh, he was great in game uh, game six as well. How have you found the rookies? I mean, I don't think we've ever had a rookie class quite like this.
1: I mean, no, no one really has a rookie class quite like this, right? Like, that's not just unique to New Orleans, I think. These guys were really good. These guys were really Good. Herb Jones is an absolute starter in the league and a guy that's going to be making all defensive teams basically like every year of his career that he's healthy going forward. Trey Murphy is going to be a three and D guy. You know, is he going to be your fourth best guy offensively? Maybe. But for where they took him at 17, that's great when you already have Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, CJ McCollum, and Jonas Valanciunas. So these guys just kind of not only are good players, but fit what New Orleans needs right now too. And then you have Jose who has some limitations, right? But makes up for it with those like intangibles, you know, taking elbows to the face, playing that role against Chris Paul, perfectly forcing eight second violations, forcing Chris Paul to get flagrant fouls or commit flagrant fouls, pick up technical fouls, all of the like of that, while still making winning plays, especially offensively and getting this team into like early offense and their sets when you wanted, you know, it's tough to find a draft class like that. You know, you get two picks in the NBA, right? So to get three guys that contribute At all different levels. And you don't really expect that out of an undrafted guy nor a second round pick. So uh, you have to feel really good about this. And, you know, in a small market like this, we are never really going to get big names in free agency. You don't have guys like clamoring to come play here. Unfortunately, you've got to do a lot of this through the draft, which means you have to hit on a lot of those fringe picks. And while the Pelicans just got three of them that they hit on that makes building a roster and having you know to to use the words of Willie Green and David Griffin like sustainable success a whole lot easier
0: yeah uh, I think you you hit the nail on the head with that and I mean we saw the numbers I think the rookie numbers in the postseason maybe the whole season they had it on the national broadcast it was something like 300 minutes for the for the rookies and everyone else was close to I don't know 50 minutes or something total and I mean, that's a, a a real credit to those guys in terms of, you know, Jose, we've seen him he's pretty much bench locked and then went down to, it was obviously in the two-way contract, went down to Birmingham, played quite well. And it's not until the Kyra Lewis injury, which, I mean, it's one of those things that you almost forget just because he's been out of sight, out of mind, that if Kyra doesn't get injured, we probably don't see this Jose explosion. He probably doesn't get those minutes. Perhaps he does. I don't know. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty but... He um that was really the moment for him where his minutes were unlocked. and to be able to seize that opportunity and then, I suppose win over the whole fan base, you see the Jose 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 chance. I've never seen anything like that. that was um that was awesome. Another moment that stuck with me this year was other couple of role players, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Josh Hart, and that trade for CJ McCollum, came back and watched the game after being traded. I I, I'm sure, yeah, you've talked about it as well on your show. I remember listening to that. And it it was one of those moments I don't think anyone's seen before. And I don't know whether or not we'd see it again. And if that's not a testament to culture, I mean, what is? How did you feel about that moment looking back now? And uh, I suppose it was a big moment in Pelican's uh, history, I guess, with getting <laughs> CJ. <laughs>
1: yeah look, I, I was kind of happy to ship Nikhil out and bring in CJ McCollum. So first and foremost there I was like, yeah, good trade. Um, but then you look at this what happened there, right? And as you said, like I don't I don't think I've ever seen something like that really occur. And I've been in locker rooms. I've been around guys who had just been traded and we're kind of still here, and nothing like that had really happened. and that kind of moment was when I think you people really started to open up their eyes and go like, oh, the culture is different. They are actually building a culture here. And it's not just dudes having some fun, but there's something deeper to what is going on. And they're, you know, building that family atmosphere that David Griffin has preached about for a really long time. The fact that Nikhil's crying after being traded, you know, the fact that Josh Hart and him are like, all right, we're here. We're gonna go support our dudes, right? They're not our team anymore. We are officially somewhere else. You know, I can hate them and it feels good. And it's like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna be right here rooting for Another team right now. And I think that's a really, really cool moment. And that was when you're like, oh, yeah. It seems like they've been building something, but that's when it's like, I think it kind of hit on everyone of like, yeah, it's different. This is, this is our very real culture that they have built. And that was a big part of what sustained them throughout this playoff run and how close those guys are. And look, Josh Hart was at the at game six, right? He was right there sitting courtside, enjoying it, taking it in. And I think that's a really cool thing to be able to see, you know, he, I, I know he's on the Portland Trail trailblazers, but you knew he was rooting for the Pelicans there in that moment. And I think that's awesome that they still kind of have these relationships with the These guys, and they're all rooting for each other so much. And I don't know if we've ever had an atmosphere quite like that to this degree here in New Orleans when it comes to this franchise.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And even to see, you know, the 1 in 12 start and people are saying, oh, we're not getting the attendance numbers up. And I mean, a lot of people don't want to go and spend a night watching a team that loses. And then to see it build and build and build and build, and then to get 18,000 at these playoff games. What was the atmosphere like at these games where it was, I mean, it looked phenomenal. The camera was shaking at some points because it was so loud in there. It was, what was that experience like?
1: It was fun. Look, I've been to a lot of big games there, you know, in 10 plus years covering the team. And I'd done a lot before, especially during that 08 run when they were really good and arguably the best teams that they've ever had in franchise history. But this one had like a different feel, right? Again, I think sometimes it helps to have a villain there. And you had a couple on this Phoenix Suns team, first and foremost in Chris Paul, who they were booing during introductions, famously wanted out. They love him, but... When you come here to play the team, they're they're gonna give you a really hard time, you know. And then you had the the Jay Crowder stuff with flopping everywhere, and he quickly became the villain for this team, and people booing the heck out of him with with some choice words. And I think that was great. Like that adds. having a little bit of animosity in there as long as you're not calling for people to get hurt or like get killed or something along those lines is fun it's fun to kind of really hate and despise your rival to a certain degree so there was like a level of venom I think to this series that we had never really had before in some of the playoff games that I had been a part of and the fact that it was so close the fact that they were an underdog right they weren't coming in up to 0 like they were on the Portland Trailblazers where that series seemed over after those first two games when they blew them. Them out this was close we knew this was going to be tough in the smoothie king center and so the crowd really wanted to try and lend a boost and there were moments when it, it's deafening in there right you know it helps that game three is on or game four is both of them really we're on the day of like a big festival in new orleans like steps from the arena and they were late games so people are out partying all day then you make your way to the game and it's got a very raucous rowdy kind of college-like atmosphere of people who'd been day drinking all day which is just going to add an element to it that's fun. I love that. It felt very New Orleans. It felt very rowdy in a way that probably other NBA arenas aren't. And you could hear it, as you were saying, the screen was shaking, right? It was so loud. You couldn't hear people talking to your left or right in there. The crowd was in it together. It was a really, really fun atmosphere in there. And I hope that just kind of fuels the fan base to kind of keep this level of energy up and hopefully fuels the team a little bit as well.
0: Well. They say we're not a basketball city, but uh, I tell you what, 18,000 people in in the arena will definitely contest that. Uh, That looked like the best part. I think it was a game, must have been game four, I think it was. Um, And, yeah, the day drinking one, and that just, that looked awesome. I think it started half an hour later, and everyone was just up and about. That was, uh, yeah, that was cool. And um, so, overall, this season has been it feels like a roller coaster. It's been such a fun ride. It has just been, I mean, obviously starting the hole, we get the bad Zion news at the start of the se- uh, start of the season, and we sort of waiting with bated breath, probably for about half a season with that, and then it sort of kicks into overdrive and we start winning. I think it really kicked off with that Devonte Graham game winner from sixty four feet, which I don't know. I've never seen anything like that, and I don't know if I ever see a winner like that again. They finished that game it was incredible. Are there any games that stick with you? It's probably putting you on the spot from throughout the season that really have stuck with you that you go back and think they were were awesome moments that we uh, that we experienced.
1: Yeah, you know, I'd have to think a little bit more of it. But, the, you know, there's a couple, right? Like there was the Jose Alvarado kind of coming out game in New York, which I thought was really fun and really cool and kind of opened your eyes to how good he could be. You also had that four game winning streak, right? Right out of the All Star break, after they'd been a little bit up and down after the CJ McCollum trade, and they come out and they win four straight games beating quality teams during all of that. And those stuck out as big moments of like, oh, this team has some talent. And if they do get into the postseason, They're not truly like a normal you know 10th 9th 8th 7th seed something along those lines they're probably better and then you also had those Laker games at the end of the year right with so much on the line those were must wins to just get into the play in tournament to get the 10th spot and then there was also the added benefit of well if you knock the Lakers out you get their pick and then of course it's just kind of FLA right like get get screw that team and stick it to LeBron and more importantly Anthony Davis and so those were some really memorable moments so as the season got on and the stakes got higher there were number of games, I think that really were like, again, big galvanizing moments for the fan base to do those Lakers games, you know, kind of benchmark games or like oh yeah, this Pelicans team is actually building something here. And if they can put it together for a little bit, they can be an annoyingly good team. And that's what they ended up being. So there's a lot of moments, mainly in the second half of the year. I don't, I don't remember much about the first because those were the dark days for a while here. But um, it was a lot of fun to end the season. So I think there are a ton of those moments where you felt really good about this team and had some very enjoyable, memorable games.
0: Absolutely, I mean, I'm chomping at the bit for next year. I tell you what, I've got a whole heap more free time because I'm not watching basketball or uh, or interviews or anything like that. Uh, just flat out, and you know, it, it has been such, it has been a real fun sort of season. I'll tell you what, I, I the COVID season it was it was hard at times to really keep finding content and keep being able to big the team up and. As someone that <laughs> covers the team, it is—it's hard because I mean you. Oh yeah, you're it's very it tough. It—it um, uh, it, it makes it difficult, and when you've got a team that wants to play, has a fan base, has a culture, has a whole heap of characters that we're seeing their personalities just blossom before us, and a whole heap of young guys that we all sit there going, "This is awesome. We're going to have sustained success. Uh, sustained success. Say that ten times quickly." And it—it uh, uh, it really has been fun, Jake. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you can you let us know where we can find if you're not listening already, well, you're missing out because this is the premier uh, Pelicans podcast over at Locked On. Please give us the uh,
1: the rundown, Jake. Yeah, of course. Far too kind of from your words there with everything, but it's it's locked on pelicans wherever you get your podcast on YouTube as well. Um, just search it; it's like literally everywhere. It's tough to miss right now with how fun everything has been. And I think I've I've done something like twenty something straight days of shows, so I am a little happy at the end of the day that the season's over and I get some nights and weekend weekends back. But locked on pelicans wherever you get your your podcast from.
0: Yeah, Jack, has been awesome, and uh is to a big year ahead. I think a uh, big off-season, big season. It's an exciting time to be a Pels fan. We appreciate you uh, you joining us today on the uh, Sports Athos New Orleans
1: Pelicans podcast. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on, Lyle.
0: Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. So thanks again to Jake for jumping on and having a chat uh, to review the Pelican season, I guess, and the playoffs and... Forecast for the future. It's been a fantastic uh, roller coaster ride as we talked about, and, and thanks for Jake for spending it on his Friday night uh, recording with us. It was uh, really, really awesome to be able to chat to him. Obviously, big season for his show as well, so go and check that out over at Locked On Pelicans. Uh, he's on everywhere that you can get it, including YouTube, and uh, yeah, really great content each and every day. So, as he said, 20 days straight, I'm sure he's ready for a rest. Um, as I am a little bit after uh, a lot of guests, a lot of shows. It's been uh, it's been an awesome, awesome playoff run, and uh, to have such awesome people, and Jake included, uh, all of the guests we've had, were David Fisher and John O'Barnes and uh, the Pels Twelve guys, Rocky and Rel and Sean, and gosh, we've just been inundated with fantastic people, and uh, Jesse Brooks, of course. I mean, I'm. Absolutely missing people, and, and I apologise for that. It has just been awesome. And thank you to everyone out there that has been listening. Uh, it has been fantastic to chat to you all, connect with you all, and as we know, uh, support an awesome team that is on the up and up. And, I mean, it's I'm proud to say I'm a Pelicans fan and be able to talk about it. And after having a night's sleep, obviously last night's one was... Uh, after watching the game, a little bit uh, heartfelt and emotional and all, but this one, I'm excited. And we've got, like we talked about, we've got the big off-season ahead uh, with the draft lottery, with uh, another potential lottery pick joining the fold. The, se- the series is bright, and, and to see, uh, there was a great video of Just watched Pelicans page, put it up on Twitter, uh, about the guys coming back in and the whole staff of the Pelicans uh, giving them a guard of honour. Clapping and celebrating as the guys came in, and that's that's awesome. That's a testament to what this team has built, what this organisation has built, and how everyone feels about this team. I mean, if I was invited, if I was over there, I'd be standing alongside them if I worked for that team, and I'd be giving them all high fives and carrying on. I'd be doing that anyway. I'd follow them around and do it. But uh, they really have been they've been awesome this year. There's not much else you can say. So. From me, Lyle Swithenbank over in Perth. Thank you to everyone that tunes in each and every day that we've we've put in show on each and every episode. Thank you to Sports Ethos for continuing to support me and all the kind words that I've got all over Twitter for the for the season that we've had. The show's gone from strength to strength. We're equal, just short of our biggest month again, and to see the growth of. This show has made me immensely proud. I appreciate all of you out there. It's uh, it's what makes the show. It's the reason I keep doing it because you guys listen and, and interact and chat and, you know, we have fun. I go on Spaces and people chat and have fun and that's what supporting a team's about. It's about the community and I think we've really got that this year and uh, I've enjoyed it. So thank you to everyone out there. Uh, I think I, I will leave it at that. I mean... I've got plenty of more words that I could rattle on, but you can get on with your evening and your morning or wherever you're in the world listening to it. I know you're all over the world because I can see where you're listening from, and uh, thank you for tuning in, whether you're in Europe, whether you're in the US, whether you're in Australia, uh, New Zealand, Germany, all of that. It's been great, so I appreciate you. Look after yourselves. I'll chat to you soon. There's plenty more shows coming up. Don't worry about that. I'll still be Mike very, very often and we'll uh, we'll keep chatting. We'll keep supporting these Pelicans because there's big things ahead. To everyone out there, thank you for listening. This has been the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I'm your host, all the way from sunny Perth, Western Australia, Lyle Swithenbank at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter at Ethos Pelicans. You can follow Jake Madison at Nola Jake if you're not already. Stay safe and bye for now.